Welcome to Additive Snack, the podcast created to inspire, educate, and support you on your additive manufacturing journey. I'm Fabian Ahlefeld, leader of the Additive Minds Consulting and Academy teams for EOS in North America. Today, my guest is Brian Neff, CEO of Centavia and the chairman of the board at AMGTA, the Additive Manufacturer Green Trade Association. Centavia is an aerospace manufacturer that uses 3D printing technology to achieve next levels of engine performance, thermodynamic efficiency, part consolidation, and sustainability for its customers. I'm thrilled that Brian is able to join us today in our Austin studio, where we talk about what makes AIM a perfect fit for building rocket engines. Centavia's unique role at the crossroads of aerospace innovation and additive expertise, and how Centavia is helping the aerospace industry overcome resistance to change. But you'll also hear about how AIM achieves new levels of sustainability for manufacturers and their customers, how Centavia is using AIM to enable next-generation aerospace innovations, from fully electric aircrafts to space travel. And lastly, the emerging AM capabilities and materials that Brian is most excited about. It's going to be a fascinating show, so let's dive right in. Brian, welcome to Additive Snack. Thank you so much for coming down to Austin and spending some time with me. Uh, I'm super excited to capture all of your experience uh, in today's episode. And yeah, I would really like to thank you for coming down. And it's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you, Fabian. It's great to be here today and to speak with you. So, Brian, we've had uh, a few conversations in the past, and I know that you come from a long line of aviation professionals. And you now run one of the largest additive manufacturing aerospace manufacturers on the planet. What still gets you excited about additive manufacturing? Well, I come from a long line of aviation professionals. My dad and my grandfather were all in the industry uh, dating back from 1946. But what really gets me excited is the fact that if you look at Certainly in my lifetime and in my father's lifetime, the, the, the way we've flown uh, point to point uh, from a hub and spoke system at 450 miles an hour or at seven miles in the air, it hasn't changed a whole lot. Uh, in fact, I think that if, if, if you really think about it, it's gotten probably worse uh, in the 45 years I've been alive. It's probably true. But what we're seeing now is an entirely new set of modalities that are coming into play for commercial flight. Uh, and you have the renewed interest in supersonic flight. You have a new interest in hypersonic flight. Uh, you have uh, commercial uh, space tourism and space launch. Uh, and you have certainly the electrification of flight, either via hybrid or via an actual, uh, a true uh, electric uh, flight motor. But the enabling technology to all of these different new modalities is really the engines. And the engines themselves are enabled through additive design and manufacturing. So when I look at, at my history with, with, uh, with, with my career and I look at my father, my grandfather, I see something that is, is really special right now, which is a multi-generational modality change in how we move through the air. And I'm very, very excited about that because without the ability to build these really, really, really high power density engines, ultra-efficient heat exchangers, ultra-efficient combustion chambers, uh, you would never get what we're seeing now and certainly the, 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 the super hypersonic flight, the electric flight, uh, the, uh, uh, the, other types of, the other types of new, new ways of flying. I mean, there was an announcement 
I think it was yesterday that Boeing just invested $450 million in a, an electric uh, vertical takeoff and landing company called WISC, which is one of you know half a dozen electric uh, vertical takeoff and landing companies. And, and every single one of them, I know this for a fact, is turning to additive to help them develop their, not just their electric engines, but also the way that they cool those electric engines. And that's very exciting to me. Yeah, that's super exciting. And Centavia is one and possibly also the first manufacturer that purely focuses on additive manufacturing in the aerospace industry. How do you differentiate yourself uh, within that quite competitive landscape? And what is the impact that Centavia has on the aerospace industry today? Well, it's really interesting. I, I was first introduced to additive technology back uh, in 2011 uh, when I was running a jet engine uh, repair company called CTS Engines. And I was touring a, actually a competitor in, in Bavaria, in Munich, called the MTU Engines. Yeah. And a huge company, great company. And I was on a tour and my tour guide said, hey, uh, come into this room. And so I walked into this room and in this room, no joke, were, were two or three EOS M270 printers. And I'd never seen that before. And I had no idea what was going on. I saw this it looked like, a, and I've described this this way in the past, it looked like a, a, someone had stuck a, a microwave in the middle of an old-fashioned copy machine. <laughs> yeah. I said, what is going on here? And, and I saw for the first time the, the layering, the, the, the powder recoating, the melting, uh, and I was just, I was blown away by it. And I was really captured by the, the process itself. And bringing that process back to my engine company and studying it for a few years, I really didn't know the direction that, that we were going to go as a company. Uh, and then in 2015, I decided to, to spin out uh, Centavia into a separate company and really focus on a lot of the technical aspects, the powder metallurgy, the mechanical testing, and really try to build technical knowledge so we could go out to our customers. But what's really interesting to me is when for the first three or four years that we were going out from 2015 to maybe even, maybe even 2019, we focused on the process. We focused on the, the what we did, the number of machines we had, the types of machines we had. And that was, that was somewhat successful, but it wasn't until the last two or three years that we really realized that we are a, a product manufacturer, that we have product demand verticals in advanced propulsion, in thermodynamics, where additive design is the most relevant for uh, the future of flight. And so we've developed Centavia to really be a, a, a cross between uh, I say a generalist additive company. And th those are great companies that are out there. They do prototyping, they do uh, small batch manufacturing, industry agnostic, printer agnostic. But that's, a, that's a great business and there's no knock against that, but that's not what we, are, we have at Centavia. And we're also not a, a traditional conventional uh, company that is manufacturing these complex systems using conventional means uh, and, and conforming them to aerospace manufacturing. What Centavia is, is really a combination of a company that understands aerospace quality, understands additive technology, and brings them together uh, in two very, very important and critical product categories, which are the, the, the next generation of, of flight and launch engines and the next generation of heat exchangers that are going to cool those flight and launch engines. And so that's very exciting to me because I see where we sit in the market being in between those companies that are, that are, <clears throat> that are just somewhat generalists on the additive side and those companies that are on the traditional conventional uh, aerospace manufacturing side but maybe have have not been able to adopt additive technology as 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 a real source for their uh, 
uh, for, for their products. And we're sort of in between. We, we, we know aerospace quality, we know additive technology, and that's where we are at Centavia. It's an important role that you play in the, in the industry and super necessary in order to also grow the industry towards additive manufacturing. What are some, some of the key barriers of adoption that you see in your customers or other aerospace organizations that we need to tackle, that we need to approach jointly as an industry? And what are you doing as Centavia in order to overcome these barriers? So generally speaking, there, there is aerospace as a, an industry is a very conservative industry. There's, the change is not necessarily all welcome. I will say again that the, the, the era that we're in in this decade uh, is unique in a sense that change is more, um, uh, I, I would say, more, more people are accepting of change a lot more in this decade than they have been in the past. But there's still a lot of inertia within these organizations for the adoption of new technologies, uh, new, new, new spacecraft, new, new, new aircraft. Um, and that's really the that's really the biggest the biggest issue. And the way we've been able to deal with it and adopt and 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 change people's minds and really push the adoption of the technology uh, is demonstrating technical competence. So technical competence as it relates to um, the mechanical properties of the the products that we're producing, uh, the the powder that you the raw material powder that we're using, uh, the types of machines that we're using actually, and and how we are using those machines and having. Uh, fixed process uh, parameters for for, for quality uh, inspection, quality auditing, all of these things, all of the uh, where the the the, the old fashioned, if you will, aerospace quality standards are meeting the new technology. That's we've been able to demonstrate that we are we are uh, very much a leader in that, and I think that that is something that um, has has helped with our customers get comfortable in using a very very different way of manufacturing for manufacturing very critical components that are relied upon for their launch uh, and their flight needs. You mentioned critical components and you also mentioned uh, electric aviation. And uh, I'd like to bring those two together and talk a little bit more about, about future aerospace technologies that uh, yeah contain electric engines that uh, may even use other types of fuels such as hydrogen in order to also enable a more sustainable way of uh, of aerospace. And I remember first seeing you actually on a TED talk that you gave around sustainability. And over the past couple of years, you also started the Green Trade Association. How is additive manufacturing helping to enable all of these sustainable manufacturing technologies? And uh, yeah, how are you guys also approaching uh, these new types of uh, applications? So when we when we started out at Centavia, we we knew we had a technology that was better, just broadly better. We knew that we could manufacture systems and uh, um, assemblies that were previously a number of different parts. Uh, we could we could manufacture those monolithically, so we could improve upon that design and and take out weight where it wasn't needed. Uh, take out uh, areas that were superfluous, et cetera. So we knew we had a design benefit. We also knew that the cost of a number of, you know, taking 25 parts and making it into a single part, uh, we were going to win on the cost side, particularly if, as you go up the complexity curve from a traditional manufacturing standpoint. Um, we also knew that there was going to be a, 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 a great weight savings, a great, a great 
um, for, for flight specifically, you were going to save weight because you're going to take a lot of the weight out in the design. So you had a better, overall, you had a better way of manufacturing. But the one area that we really didn't understand well was the, the, how much more sustainable the, the process was. We inherently knew that it was more sustainable because we weren't starting out with a big piece of metal and hogging it down. And you know, when you do that, you're, you're, you're losing 95, 96% of, of all of your, your weight. It's getting, it's getting thrown out as, as waste. Uh, so, so we, 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 we kind of knew that that was another leg of the stool that we, we could try to sell the technology into these big companies, but we had no way to really measure that. And so we could talk about it, but we couldn't point to a specific study or some specific hard numbers. And I thought that, and I still think that's a real area for us to develop. And so in 2019, we came up with the Additive Manufacturer Green Trade Association, which now I think has 40 members. Uh, so in the last two and a half years, less than two and a half years, we've we've gone from, you know, yours truly to to 40 members. And the whole purpose of the AMGTA is to take a very hard, very, very accurate look at how the technology is more sustainable and create, uh, create pathways and create strategies for companies using specific, I would say, raw additive technologies to use those properly. So the example I always give is if I, if I buy an EOS printer or any printer and I start to manufacture flatware, so spoons, forks, knives, it's a very unsustainable way of manufacturing those. Uh, these are uh, non, not very complex parts. Uh, the per unit embodied energy for those in a traditional manufacturing sense uh, is, uh, is, is, is very low. So these are not good examples of, uh, of, of, of using the technology wisely and sustainably. But if you start to create, for example, a thrust chamber assembly for a rocket engine, which is highly complex. It, 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 it's basically how uh, rockets fly, and that's why 100% of all private commercial rocket engines, uh, at least the thrust chambers for those, are printed. So 100% across the industry of the eight companies that have either launched into space or are about to launch into space, every single one of those rockets is printed. And the reason why is that the traditional way of manufacturing a rocket engine uh, is very difficult uh, there's lots, you know, maybe you make one that works out of every three that you try. There's lots of, there's lots of waste. It's, it's, you can't, you can't iterate on it. It's a terrible way of, of manufacturing. So what additive does is uh, turn that kind of on its head. And, and as we say, complexity is free in additive. And as it relates to sustainability, you don't lose a lot of the same parts that you would in a conventional sense. So that's a very good use of the technology. That's a good example of that. But again, we, we were struggling when we were when we were starting out, uh, and and certainly for the first few years into quantifying that, uh, uh, what what that meant. So how how much more sustainable, quote unquote, it was than traditional methods. Um, so the MGTA was founded specifically to run life cycle analyses, comparing traditional manufacturing of a specific component uh, and a uh, additively manufactured component. And right now. I'm very pleased to say we have uh, three different life cycle analyses that we're undergoing uh, in our organization. One is powder bed fusion. One is um, uh, for polymers. Uh, one is for um, binder jetting for different specific applications. For, for uh, the, the powder bed fusion, we're looking at an aerospace component. 
for the binder jetting, we're looking at an, at an air conditioning uh, compressor component. And for uh, the polymer study, we're looking at uh, a luxury packing component and seeing how they compare uh, from a traditional standpoint to an additive standpoint. And one of the things, I'm, and, and I'm actually the, the, the chair and, and the president of the organization, one of the things I've, I've strongly, strongly focused on is having your eyes wide open and saying, okay, well, this isn't greenwashing. Everything we touch just because it's additive, it doesn't make it automatically better. I mean, it's, it's foolish for you to think that. Um, if, again, if you're doing something simple that has got very, very low energy on an on a overall per unit basis, it's, it's not going to be a sustainable use to swap, swap that out. But if you're doing something very, very complex, uh, it could be, a, uh, it could be a, a good use of that. And we really wanted to measure that. And so uh, I think that that's going to be a very good, um, these, these LCAs that we're running, and I think the industry now is moving towards looking at a number of LCAs. Uh, I think this is going to be a good way for us to go to our customers and for them to go to their customers who are largely the public and say, this, this is a better way of manufacturing. We want you to adopt it um, more quickly. So I, I view it as a, Fabian, generally speaking, sustainability, sustainability to me is the other side of operational efficiency. You're, you're doing something better. You know, you're doing something, you're, you're building something in a better way, in a better design. That to me is really, really what sustainability is all about. Um, it's, 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 and, and this is a great technology for that because it simply is a better way to manufacture. It's a better way to design and to build something. And so um, that, that's really what, what is exciting to me. Um, that's what I've certainly focused my company on and, and this trade organization that we've been involved in. And I think you see it for uh, uh, just not just the way things are manufactured, which is what I sort of spoke about here, but, but how you can design it. So when we think about something like, like electric engines and electric um, windings, copper windings within, a, within an aluminum stator, uh, one of the beliefs that's out there now is that you're not going to ever get the power density needed to fly a major narrow body or, or certainly wide body commercial aircraft strictly on electricity without using additive in some way. There's a couple of really uh, interesting companies that are out there that uh, in some cases uh, are either have printers or are using us to, to help develop the technologies where, you, where you're printing in pure copper very, very, very thin, thin, thin copper windings uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a specific shape that are very, very close to each other. We're talking, you know, hundreds of microns in width, hundreds of microns apart from each other. And mathematically, if, you, if you're able to do that successfully, you actually can, you actually can demonstrate that you have the power density needed uh, to fly these really large, really heavy aircraft just with electricity. I mean, that, the thing about fossil fuels that, that always, people always come back to it, certainly from, from an aviation standpoint, is that they're, they have really high power density. I mean, that, that the, the energy inside of the, those fuels is, is, is very efficient from an energy perspective. Now, we don't like how it's, how it's harvested and how it's used, but it's very efficient from an energy perspective. And the only way, in my opinion, you're going to get uh, up to that level uh, is to really look at the way you manufacture electric engines for flight, uh, specifically with respect to additive technology. Uh, and so we're very happy. We, we've got a couple of uh, interesting uh, companies that are, that are developing these, these motors, and, and that's something that, that we're definitely focused on. And at the same time, there's a couple of hybrid companies that are out there that are using hydrogen fuel cells. Uh, and those 
are more of on, on the other side of our, our product line, which is thermodynamics, hydrogen fuel cells, that, that system gets very warm, very, very hot. And obviously there's a lot of fear in an, in an aircraft of having hot engines. And so helping them cool those engines using additive, um, additive uh, design and, and, and manufacturing results in the most efficient heat exchangers you can imagine. M- many people know this, a lot of people know this. Having those apply, applied to hybrid flight is a great utilization too. So in, in so many ways, it's not just the way that we're manufacturing is more sustainable, but what we're manufacturing results in a more sustainable outcome. And that's, that's just so exciting to me because it's, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a win, 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 uh, scenario in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I, I couldn't have, uh, summarized it, uh, better, but I'm still gonna try. So to me, there's, there's, there's no two ways other from manufacturing impact sustainability in the manufacturing industry. There's I call responsible manufacturing. So we're looking at the whole life cycle of a product where additive manufacturing allows us to only use the material that in the end ends up in a product and all of the, the other material that we're not using, we can reuse in a new in a new build. Uh, we will also be able to optimize supply and value chains by reducing waste, by uh, reducing transport, by printing on-site versus printing you know, all over the place and having huge uh, complex supply and shipping activities that, uh, you know, require us to source parts and actually make it more complex as we see right now in the supply chain uh, crisis that we're going through. So we're really in the end, A, making manufacturing less complex, but also more sustainable by all of these uh, ways that you just described. And I think here it's very important to not only look at the manufacturing process, but as I mentioned, the whole value chain. And here, what you just mentioned, comes into effect and that is the part itself that can become more efficient. And I typically refer to this as purpose-driven design, right? We're designing for the purpose of an application. We're not designing around manufacturing restrictions anymore. And here we're opening up a completely new field of applications and, and, and possibilities. And that really will be, in my opinion, also a game changer in the, in the aerospace industry. Now, the aerospace industry typically is also quite slow to adapt uh, new technologies, uh, as you mentioned uh, earlier. Um, how do you guys approach uh, yeah, certain design restrictions in uh, in your customers? I also uh, read that uh, Centavia recently was uh, certified to be uh, by the AS9100 um, uh, certification. So you have design authority. Are you also now pushing into the design of your customers to support and also hopefully accelerate these new developments within your customers' organizations? Absolutely. So design, when we think about it for additive, really means two things. It's designing what is known as the digital mold of a component and and how that, you know, the, from from how the, the, the part is located, uh, how it's supported, et cetera, um, how the, the the parameters for the the powder that we're using the the, uh, the the stuff that we're doing with the printer to to modify it to manufacture a better component all of that is is design work it's uh, no different than uh, designing a, a you know something for a, an investment casting or something like that um, but the other aspect of design is obviously clean sheet design where you're designing a, something from scratch that meets a customer requirement um, and Centavia does both. Obviously, for all the parts that we we build, all the components we build, we're doing the digital mold, uh, and that's part of our IP. We own that. Uh, but the 
Zion itself really on uh, is 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 becoming apparent with respect mostly to the heat exchangers and the uh, thermodynamic uh, components that are out there. Th- those, uh, I would say that nobody in the in the conventional sense likes their heat exchanger manufacturer or their heat exchanger supply chain. You're talking about certainly for the complex flight heat exchangers. You're talking about a manufacturing yield in the low 30s. Uh, it's a it's a it's a bad system. Uh, so. Right away, if you if you go to a customer, a major uh, aerospace or, or defense or space company, and say, "We have a better heat exchanger. Let us let us design it and build it." More often than not, they're going to have a lot of interest in that um, because they don't like what they have already. It's underperforming. It's expensive, etc. Uh, so, so again, you know, when you think about the institutional inertia or the conservative nature of, of the industry, of the aerospace industry, what, what really speeds up the adoption quick, real quickly is solving problems. I know that sounds very simple, but you have a lot of uh, electronics, you have a lot of heat. Uh, certainly as you make your engines uh, more electric, they create more heat because they're getting smaller. Um, y- you need to do something with that heat, and, and additive presents a real solution. So we, we have really worked in the last, I'd say, two years to build up our design capability, uh, specifically with respect to thermodynamics. Now, on the propulsion side, uh, that that still remains a lot of the IP of the customers because you know what's a rocket company without their rocket IP? I understand that, but on the thermodynamic side and on the heat exchanger side, which is a huge, huge opportunity and a huge industry, uh, we're definitely uh, among the leaders out there that are that are designing and and, and selling these uh, these new modern, additively designed, uh, and additively manufactured heat exchangers. I mean, we, we now talked about the many facets of additive manufacturing. We talked about, uh, in general, the aerospace industry and how it's slowly adopting uh, additive manufacturing as a, as a core technology. We talked about the impact of additive manufacturing on the whole, uh, on the whole, on the whole industry. And we talked about how additive manufacturing can enable new technologies within the aerospace industry. But of course, additive manufacturing will also evolve, and uh, continuously, on almost a weekly basis, uh, new processes, materials, and uh, systems. And by systems, I mean printers come out. Um, how do you see these emerging capabilities of additive manufacturing impact your future and also the future of the aerospace industry? Well, I think for the immediate term, um, the focus really does need to be on larger systems. Uh, our largest system is uh, 450 by 450 by 1,000 meters. Uh, and it's amazing to see when you talk to customers uh, how much the size of the chamber that you're dealing with unlocks people's, I don't want to say imagination, but their, 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 their thought process of what they could do in something that is that, is that large. Um, but then I had a customer visit me yesterday and I showed them the, the chamber that we had and they said, oh wait, that's just way too small. And <laughs> yes, yes, that, that customer is not very knowledgeable on what we can do within that, you know, within that box. Um, but but, but you, you can still feel the, the demand for larger and larger systems. Um, certainly, and we've, we, we've seen this, as systems get larger, they get more complicated. It's a highly... Uh, exponentially more difficult way of, of of manufacturing, and that's a that's its own challenge. But at the same time, the the, the more you can put into a, a single monolithic piece, um, the more you're going to you're going to unlock the great benefits of the technology. So first and foremost, 
larger, larger, larger. Uh, and I, I, I think the, the folks that are manufacturing the powder bed fusions are really, are really starting to look at that uh, more intently. Um, the second area is definitely in, in materials. I think that copper uh, is a really, really, really important uh, metal for the future, pure copper specifically. Um, I know that the the scientists, the material scientists within the uh, the OEMs are working on on different laser strategies for that. Um, there's also some parameter strategies that we use. Um, so we we take these 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 printers and we develop our own material parameters and it's it's not easy. There's a lot of failure, but you know through failure you get success. But I think that pure copper, just based on uh, the conductivity of it, has a really 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 big role to play in, in ways that I mentioned before about. Uh, electric um, uh, electric engines and specifically power density within electric engines. So larger machines, I think pure copper is is way underappreciated as a as a metal. Um, and then sort of looking in, a, in the longer term, uh, I share the the same vision as as our one of our our larger customers, which is relativity space, which is a full uh, uh, they, 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 are, they are truly believers that additive, and they're correct about this, is the only technology that you're going to be able to have on the moon or on Mars or on a spacecraft or, or, or a space station. Um, and I, I salute them for taking this approach because they're 100% right. So uh, that thought process as it relates to sort of what additive is, not just powder bed fusion, but everything, um, and, and taking that approach to manufacturing on the moon and manufacturing on Mars and manufacturing in, on spacecraft uh, is really, really exciting to me. And so I think for, for Centavia, what, what we like to do is we like to stay in front of the market in terms of what is developing, what is coming down the, 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 you know, the, the, the pipe from, uh, from the manufacturers, from the people that are the, 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 the fellows, the scientists, et cetera, that are out there talking about the technology and understanding that, yes, we, we love powder bed fusion and metal. We think there's a great runway, again, for bigger and, and more copperized components. But what else is out there for the, the longer term? Um, and from an extra extra planetary, extraterrestrial, if you will, uh, approach to, to manufacturing. Uh, we think that that's going to be, I mean, we, we, we love additive. We think there's a great runway here on Earth. But, but once you start to get, you know, 100 years from now, additive will just be, Everybody will, will will be using it. Everybody will be understanding it and, and adopting it across everywhere that that humans are going to be. So that that's really exciting. Now that's I won't be alive to see that, but I think that we'll get a lot further uh, in the next probably twenty twenty five years. Oh, who knows? Uh, the medical three uh, D printing industry is also in uh, in in full growth mode. So you know right. maybe we'll get some new lungs and hearts and uh, I, I reverse I, as we go. I, I think I don't think I want to live another hundred years. I think, <laughs> I think I'll be fine. Now. All right, Brian. Well, uh, thank you so much for sharing, uh, sharing all your insights with us. Thank perfect you. ending to uh, a perfect episode, uh, starting on, uh, on earth and moving all the way to Mars, where by the way, there are already additively manufactured uh, parts on the uh, Perseverance uh, Rover. So we've made it there. Now we, all we need to do is, uh, yeah, is grow from here. Yeah. So thanks for all your insights. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us. Uh, not uh, not underappreciated. Uh, of course, there's a lot of competition out there. So thank you for helping me grow the industry. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Well, thank you very much for having me. What an incredible guest. And what a fascinating look at the past, present, and future of aerospace innovations that AM is bringing to life. 
I'd like to thank Brian Neff for joining us. And if you'd like to learn more about Centavia and its work, be sure to visit centavia.com. And for more information about the Additive Manufacturer Green Trade Association, or AMGTA, please visit amgta.org. Is environmental sustainability at the top of your organization's priority list? And are you using AM to take sustainability to new heights? If so, we'd love to hear your story, your insights, and your questions. Just drop us a line at additive.snack at eos-na.com and share your thoughts. We'd also love to hear your topic or guest ideas for future episodes, so please reach out if you're itching to share them. In our next episode, we'll have another inspiring leader from the additive manufacturing industry with us. I promise, you won't want to miss it. So simply subscribe to Additive Snack in the podcast app of your choice, if you haven't already. You'll be notified as soon as the next episode is live. Until then, I'm Fabian Adelfeld. Thanks for listening, and please join us next time on Additive Snack.